to. We just want to tell you that taste and see that the Lord is good. And Jesus walked alone by the Sea of Galilee, saw the two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Straightway they left their nets and followed him. Matthews four, eighteen and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and therefore, I'm sorry, and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Even until the end of the world. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Are we available to God? That's the question we need to ask. Are we available to God? Are we willing to pray, take a risk, trust God? And if so, if we have the desire and the willingness to learn, then God will use us. He desires a willing, teachable, and available person more than a most learned mind. So if you make yourself available, he will make you able. So get ready. He's about to use you like he's never used you before. He's about to use you to share Jesus to the lost through the method called evangelism. Now, Pastor, I have to share this with you. If you have members in the body with you and no one seems to be interested in evangelizing, no one wants to go out, it's because they don't understand the importance of the evangelistic side of the ministry. It's because they don't understand that importance. Now, the way you're going to break that down is you're going to be able to go in and begin to teach these two classes. I'm going to try to do it, and in, in this will be the second class. I'll try to end it tonight. But you want to go in and you want to begin to teach them how to evangelize. And that should stir up the followers that they'll be willing to go out and bring them. Because the Word of God says what? you got to go out and compel them to come. Amen? Okay, so now we come to the question, how do we evangelize? We, we can take time because we're recording, so they will hear you on the recording. How do we evangelize? Yeah, that's good, but I'm sorry, go ahead. Where they are. That's a good point. Okay, so we're going to deal with tonight with a spirit-filled life, our work, God's work, and prayer. And then the other question we have to ask is, what do we say? First of all, we meet them where they are, like you just said, and transition from natural to spiritual. 
You share the gospel of Christ. And of course you do what? You pray. And so we want to take a look at how do I evangelize a spirit-filled life. Every victorious Christian, every victorious Christian have a source of power that indwells fullness of the Holy Spirit. Those who live in a defeat have never allowed the Holy Spirit to control their lives. They will continue to live in defeat until the fullness of the Holy Spirit becomes a reality unto them. So our lives should accurately reflect God's character. Our lives should attractively demonstrate the lifestyles of following God. Of following God could be a wonderful, full of joy. It should be wonderfully full of joy. However, before we can start to live it, we got to first of all believe it. And one of the worst salesmen in the business is one who's not convinced that the product he is promoting really works. Amen. The worst salesman in the business is the one who's not convinced that the product he is promoting really works. So as ambassadors of Christ, we must be convinced without a doubt that we have received the spirit of salvation through the confession of our sins and our belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we know, we must know, that through the blood of Jesus, our sins have been forgiven and God has adopted us as his children and he loves us. We must always remember, we must always remember and know in your heart that when we die a natural death, our soul will spend eternity in heaven with God our Father. Paul was one of the greatest witnesses ever known because his witness was spurred by the change that had taken place in his life. He shared his testimony again and again of the Democracy Roads experience. Unbelievers, we watching, they're watching to see if the so-called Christian is living what he's talking. Mm. Don't underestimate the fact that unbelievers, they're watching to see if the so-called Christian is living what they're talking about. They're watching to see if there really is a difference in our lives. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works also and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 15 and 16. Now, let's take a look at our work. It must always remain clear that we are completely inadequate of ourselves alone to evangelize anyone in particular. Our words are simply powerless to persuade people to repent and turn to God. We can never say this clearly enough, nor present our message well enough to break through the barriers which oppose our efforts. Every Christian, every Christian is in full-time service, always on the front line. Even a Christian who doesn't really want to fight is in conflict. God never told us to go out and save anyone. This is where we lose it at. God never told us to go out and save anyone. Why? Because Jesus has already done the saving. He only told us to go preach the gospel to the world. 
Mm -hmm. Always remember that we will be rejected at times and we will feel like we failed. And in these times, you know the enemy, he's going to use that time to cast darts of shame and guilt to try to discourage us and make us quit. However, men and women of God, there are times God's word should be our strength. There are times that God's word should be our strength. Remember he said one would plant Another with water, but he is the one that brings the increase. We only fail when we refuse to go. Mm -hmm. We only fail as evangelists when we refuse to go. We must be obedient and do what God has called us to do. Nehemiah said, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Nehemiah 5 and 3. We are only supposed to share the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. This is what we look we lose out on so many times. We're looking to be that person's savior. That's not what he told us to do. God's work, unless God chooses to reveal himself to someone, out of words, our words cannot reveal to him. Our words cannot reveal to the individual that we're ministering to or sharing the gospel with. Only God can. So unless he chooses to draw the person to himself, our words really have no power to do so. So that should take a lot of pressure off evangelism. It's the problem that we see every day. A lot of times we misunderstand what the gift is and what the gift's operation is. You can't get nobody saved. That was Jesus' job. Now, much of our evangelism is ineffective because we're trying to do the work of God out of using human strength. We're trying to do the work of God by using human strength. Mm -hmm. The result is predictably that nothing happens. Human strength and wisdom are utterly useless in a spiritual battle like evangelism. God's power is what counts. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Mm -hmm. That's John 6 and 44. Paul, the greatest evangelist that we have record of outside of Jesus himself, Paul avoided what eloquence of speech so that the power of God could be seen. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. Now, how many of us actually seen evangelists get up there and have so many words and they're so eloquent and they have all this long speaking that actually you really lose what they're trying to say? So we would do like Paul did and avoid all the eloquent speaking that would allow God to be seen by the individual that we're ministering to. It is God's power that convicts and converts. So without it, our words, however eloquent, are only words. This does mean, I'm sorry, this does not mean that we can simply remain silent. Since God often uses our words to reveal himself. Amen. Because God often uses our words to reveal himself.
Let's take a look at prayer. Prayer is the key to effective evangelism. As we pray, asking for God's power to move in people's lives, we must also listen for his words and his plan for their lives. When we do so, God can guide us as to whom we should talk to, when, what we should say, and even what approach to take. If our words are truly his words, there will be more effective for going directly through whichever door is open in the person's life. If our timing is God's, everything else will have more impact since we will speak to the person when they are most receptive. That's why I say you got to let God lead you to the territory that you're supposed to be going in and evangelizing in. A lot of times people think it's just around the corner. Sometimes it is, but other times it's not. You got to keep your ear to the mouth of God so you'll always know the direction that you need to go in. Amen? There was a time when we as Christians thought the Holy Spirit only dealt with the saved folk. However, we later learned that it was the Holy Spirit who convicted us of our sins while we were yet still in the world serving Satan. So we must be in constant prayer for the lost, those who must begin and end every evangelistic outreach outing with prayer. We must be in constant prayer for the lost, for those that are out witnessing, and of course, pray that God will send more laborers into the vineyard. So this is what I meant when I said you should take about 30 to 30 minutes to an hour to pray before you go out. You're praying while you're out there, and when you come back, you pray that hour again. Why? Because you're trying to see God move in the people's lives. So you want to pray constantly for those lost souls that you'll be ministering to. You want to be praying for those that's going out witnessing. And of course you want to pray that God will send more laborers into the vineyard. I mean the, the vineyard is full. We say it all the time. It's the laborers that are few. Because for some reason we just want to you know, do everything from the pulpit. As long as I'm in the pulpit, I can get, you know, I can get my evangelistic thing going on. But believe it or not, evangelism isn't for the saved. You heard me. It ain't for the saved. And the church is where saved folks are. Evangelism is for the street. That's what the unsaved is. Well, let's go on to the next part. What do I say? When we meet the people, like you said, we got to meet them right where they are. One of our greatest evangelism technique ever used was performed again and again by the master teacher himself, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's why I prepared you and let you know that Jesus Christ was the greatest evangelist there was, even though we refer to him as a prophet and the son of God. He was still the master teacher himself, the greatest evangelist there was. He was always united. He always united the conversation or just what they happened to be doing when he approached them. He met them right where they were. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well, John 4 and 7? Remember Jesus knew the disciples loved to fish and that was their trade? He used Peter's boat to teach them from, as the multitude sat on the side of the hill. However, 
When the teaching was over, he instructed Peter to launch out into the deep and let down his net for a drop. He met them right where they were. Luke 5, 3 to 4. We must, of course, use wisdom when sharing the gospel to the lost. A sinner who is involved in auto mechanics rarely wants to talk about anything but autom automobiles. Another who is involved in sports likes to talk sports, regardless of the game. We don't have to be subject experts. Just asking questions is highly recommended. People enjoy showing others how much they know about their work of hobby. Remember, our aim at the initial meeting point is to start a conversation, create a smooth transition into the gospel. This means that we're gradually moving from where they are in their secular conversation into the area of church and the spiritual realm. The transition from the natural to the spirit. Many times simple questions will allow the individual to relax a little and really start listening to what you're saying. Simple questions like, um, where do you attend church? What are your spiritual beliefs? To you, who is Jesus Christ? Do you believe in heaven and hell? If you died right now, where would you go? Finally, ask them, if what you believe is wrong, would you like to know the truth? There's your transitional statement. If what you believe is wrong, would you like to know the truth? As the individual responds to our questions, we should be listening and trying hard to pinpoint a particular need in the individual's life. Then be ready to show the person how Christ can fulfill that need. Amen. Amen. As the individual responds to our question, we should be listening and trying hard to pinpoint a particular need in the individual's life. Then be ready. Be ready. Be ready to show the person how Christ can fulfill that need. If the answer to the diagnostic questions are wrong, tell the person he is wrong without making them angry. Amen. Amen. It's okay to say you're wrong, but do it without making them angry. I have found that it is possible to tell somebody that he or she is wrong and even make them happy to hear it if we use what? The good news to tell them. Amen. Amen. Y'all heard me tell y'all many a times. Bishop West would whoop the whole church. We'd be laughing. You'd be laughing for five minutes before you realize it was your toe that he stepped on. Come on here. We got to learn how to connect with these people. Don't, don't go out in your three-piece suit and your best dress. If you going down to the... Um, what we want to call it, the hood. Put you some blue jeans on. Put you some, um, what you call them things, them stretch pants. You know that you run in them jogging suits. Appear to them like you're like them. That's what Paul did. Amen. Amen. 
Our response to a person's wrong answer to the second diagnostic, diagnostic questions would be as follows. When I heard your answer to that first question, I thought that I had some good news for you. After hearing your answer to this question, I know I got some good news for you. Pump up the good news. Just, just keep dwelling in there. That good news is coming for them. Everybody wants and needs good news today. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the next 60 seconds, you're going to hear the best news that you ever heard in your life. That's quite a claim. That's quite a claim, isn't it? Let's see if I can back it up. Tell them. You know, that's quite a claim. Okay, let me see if I can back it up. See, now you've gotten his attention or her attention, whoever you're ministering to. For years, I thought the same thing that you did. If ever I were to get to heaven, I had to follow all the commandments and keep all these rules and do so many times that I almost despaired of ever making it in. And then I made the most wonderful discovery of my life. I discovered that according to the scripture, according to the historic Christian's faith, eternal life, heaven itself, is absolutely a free gift. It is not earned, deserved, or worked for. Mm -hmm. It is not earned, deserved, or worked for it is absolutely free isn't that amazing so many times Christians we make heaven so hard to get in that people just feel like they they can't get it and they just give up amen but we got to share the gospel in a plain view God said I take the simple things to confound the wise what's even more amazing is that you too can have the free gift Right this very moment, if you want it. Would you like for me to show you how? If the individual says yes, explain to them that salvation is simply their confessing with their mouth and believing in their heart in Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins and that God raised them from the dead that we might have the right to eternal salvation. Explain that first. They must confess their sins, simply agreeing with God that they have been living an ungodly life. Then ask God to forgive them of their sins. Then they must ask God to save their soul. Then thank God for saving them. It's real simple. It's real simple. And that's why I tell you, Leaders, if you're finding that your people are not willing to go out and evangelize, it's because they don't understand the importance of it or because they don't understand how to do it. So don't make the assumption that when they come in, they know exactly what to do. Watch them. And if you don't see them getting stirred up about it, it's time to teach them. Amen. And, and the other important thing is what? Pray with them. And immediately after the individual accepts Christ, pray with them. Ask the individual if they got a Bible. And if not, ask them if it, they would like for you to help them get one. 
Let them know the importance of reading God's word daily and also praying. Also express the importance of them finding a church where they can join and attend regular services, including Sunday school, worship service, and weekly Bible sessions. Now, you just go, when you bring this part up, if somebody say, well, when do your services begin? I hope you have a date and time in mind other than your Bible study that you're holding once a week because you just told them to stay firmly planted. They're going to have to attend Sunday school. They're going to have to do worship service and they're going to have to have the weekly Bible study sessions. Amen. So give them your phone number, of course. Ask for theirs. Ask them for permission to call or visit them. Let them know that you're excited about what has taken place and that you're available for them and would love to study and pray with them if they desire to do so. Be excited for them. Now, here's the other part that is really important. If the individual does not accept Christ, if the individual does not accept Christ, so be it. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't force it. You got to remember, many times you may be just planting a seed and the individual will not accept Christ at this particular time. Remember, you can't get anybody saved. God does that. God has to point them to Jesus. So it may not be their, their time. This is still evangelism. Don't feel that you fail because the individual don't commit. Remember, you can't fail. You've been obedient. You've done what God told you to do. You've gone to him. The rest is up to God. However, always, always, always ask for permission to come back at another time or leave a track for them to read in their spare time. You never know how God is going to work in people's lives. But our job is what? Just simply sharing the gospel of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. See, that's where a lot of us miss it at. We're trying to do God's work. We're simply supposed to just share the gospel. We're simply supposed to listen for their need. We're simply supposed to be prepared to show them how Christ can supply that need. We're making a relationship with that individual. We're starting a relationship with them. Amen? Amen. And we're prepared to provide them with a track. We're prepared to even provide them with Bibles if necessary. Go to uh, find a Salvation Army or a Goodwill or someplace. Or use bookstore if you don't want to invest into um, new Bibles. And when you do it, just get, you know, flip through the pages. Make sure you got some um, legible Bibles. Or you can write Gideon. Look it up on the internet. And when you um, tell them that you sent it, because their Bibles are strictly for those. Thank you. It's strictly for those 
that do that's for the unchurched. You have to put in a letter that you need Bibles for the unchurched for your evangelism. You have to let them know that it's unchurched. And you know, the Gideon Bible is based on, I think, fifth to the eighth grade education. So it's it's not King James, but they should be able to read and comprehend. Amen. Amen. So now I, I know I kind of pushed it tonight to try to um, get everything in, but I pray that you got an understanding and I am going to send you the hard copy. So you'll be able to, I need to go in and stop that.